Hello, this is Donnie Foster, the pastor of the Journey Church in Fort Worth, Texas. My prayer is the message you are about to hear will be a source of blessing and encouragement in your life. At the conclusion, I'll share a few closing words and a prayer. May the Lord bless you as you listen. Glad you're here today. This is the... uh... Uh, 4th of July weekend, I know you're aware of that, obviously. We've got a lot of folks that are traveling and out of town, so uh, as I like to say, you're the folks that have either traveled or you didn't have money to travel, so you came to church, all right? So glad you're here today, but we'd love for our folks to be able to get away and get refreshed, and I know a lot of them will be watching online, so we'll be praying for their uh, return home safely and hopefully refreshed and, and ready for life again. Well, I, I love 4th of July. It's one of my favorite holidays. We always had a tradition when I was a kid of going to Lake Tyler. And my, my Aunt Debo and Uncle Terry, uh, Terry's dad, Marvin, and his mom, uh, Blanche, they had this la- great lake house, and we would go every year. And even back, you know, during those uh, recession days of the early 80s, we just went, and we would have a good time with, uh, we'd have hot dogs for, br- for uh, uh, lunch, and then for supper, we'd have leftover chopped up hot dogs with beans, all right, beanie weenies, right, come on. And, and that was like our steak. And then, and then maybe for breakfast the next morning, it was sausage. No, that was just leftover weenies again, all right? So it didn't matter. We didn't care what we were eating. Didn't care if we had, uh, you know, any money or, or whatever. As long as we got to fish and swim and be with our friends and family, always had a blast on 4th of July. So tell me some of your 4th of July traditions, either past or current, that, you te- that are, are part of your life. Yes. Got a grill, all right. Very, what's the go-to on the grill there? Nothing wrong with that. Burgers and dogs, I like that. Yeah, who else? Give me some, give me some tradition, yes. Fireworks. Who loves fireworks? If, who, are, who is like me? If you never saw the fireworks in your life, you'd be good to go. All right, that's me, like eight of us. All right, I just, it's just, they all do the same thing. Have you not noticed that? Shoo, boom. <laughs> The next one, choo, boom, they all do the same thing, you know, and I'm just like bored after about four, but I'm the weird one, I know, I get it. Best 4th of July movie ever, Sandlot, right? Come on, right? Right, best one ever. (laughs) Okay, well, I hope you have some just traditions. If you don't, begin to um, uh, establish those with your family. So let's talk a little bit this morning about independence. It's Independence Day. But I want to talk about this morning our spiritual independence because we celebrate our independence as a nation, but also each and every day we can celebrate our independence through Jesus Christ from the curse of sin that we have eternal life. But to kind of highlight that, let me me walk you through just a little bit of a history lesson for this morning. I love history. If you don't, then bear with me. If you do, then you're going to love this. But in 1620 aboard the Mayflower, a church group, along with other skilled laborers, drafted and signed what is known as the Mayflower Compact. We really highlighted this back on Memorial Day. But the Mayflower Compact stated this. said, in the presence of God and one another, we covenant and combine ourselves together in a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and furtherance of the ends aforesaid, and by virtue hereof to enact, constitute, and frame such just and equal laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and offices. I mentioned the Mayflower Compact because this is the first document in our nation's history that established a government. And it was fashioned after a church's constitution. 
and it was drafted by a group of people from a church who came here for religious freedom. Well, that document directly inspired the Declaration of Independence, which was drafted and signed, of course, as you know, on July 4th, 1776. In that document, we find these words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, rights that we cannot be alienated from, that are absolute. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Of course, that document, no doubt, inspired the Constitution of the United States, which is drafted in September of 1787 and then ratified or signed into law the following year in June of 1788. In that document, we find these words, we, the people of the United States, and I love this next phrase, in order to form a more perfect union. They, they realize our nation is not perfect, it never will be, but the, the, the purpose here is to form a more perfect union. Establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. I love those words. And of course, 85 years later, the Constitutions and the truths that it was founded on inspired Abraham Lincoln to issue the Emancipation Proclamation, which stated this, on the first day of January, in the year of our Lord, 1,863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States, shall be then henceforth and forever free. And it's often stated that if there is one statement or, or one idea, one cold, hard truth that defines what America was about and is still about today, I believe it has to be that line from the declaration that we read in which it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator, like we said, with these unalienable rights. Among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Of course, on July 4, 1776, here's the deal. Not everyone in the Union was free. Slavery wasn't abolished for another 80-plus years. And, of course, it took a bloody civil war to bring that to pass. But 150 years later, here we are all still struggling with some of these same issues. But here's what I want to point out this morning. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness those three truths, those three unalienable rights, as great as they are, they've never been perfected, not in our nation or in any other. And that's why the Constitution, I believe, says in order to form a more perfect union, I believe our, our forefathers, the founding fathers, many of which wanted to abolish things like slavery, knew our nation wasn't perfect. They also understood it would never be perfect, but they built within a standard, a standard within our Constitution that said we should always strive to be a more perfect union. I love that. 
Now, are we closer today to perfection than we were then? Well, in some ways, yes. In others, well, probably not. But returning to that phrase that is more American than perhaps any other, the fundamental truth of all of our most precious documents that we all have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, I want you to know this morning that of all the things in our nation that may be flawed, I believe our founding fathers got that part absolutely right. And here's why. I believe that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are three truths, three unalienable rights that not only does the Constitution want to provide for us, but I believe God wants to provide those for us. I believe life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are absolutely biblical. Let me point out why I believe that this morning. And if you love the Lord this morning, say amen. Let's start off with life. Think about life. And by the way, I love that the Constitution says that an unalienable right is life. That's why I am excited, and I think it's the right decision that our Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. There's about three of you that agree with me. I'm going to say that again. I believe that our Supreme Court got it right when they overturned Roe versus Wade. All right? Some of you are still not on the fence about that. Let me tell you something, my friends. The Word of God says life begins at conception. Come on, right? Science says life begins at conception. Amen? Come on, right? Know that, but biology says it begins at conception. When the Constitution said everybody has the right to life, you know who else has the right to life? Those unborn children. Amen? I think that's the right decision. I think that was a great decision. I think our Constitution says everyone, I know it says it because I read it, everyone has the right to life. Knowing that, so does God. God says that. See, God filled the earth with life during creation. When he was done, he looked around and said, you know what? It's all good. This is great. This is amazing. The word life is found no fewer than 540 times in Scripture, and it's spoken of in 53 of the 66 books of the Bible. In John's gospel alone, John loves talking about life. And he talks about Jesus speaking on life 43 times. In John chapter 6 alone, Jesus mentions life 13 times. And in just a very short, short, few short verses. And perhaps the greatest verse about life in all of God's word is John 10.10. 10, in which Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy but I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I love that verse. Amen? I love it. See, not only does God want us to live and enjoy life, he wants us to experience life abundantly. I love that. Let's talk about liberty. Talk about liberty for a minute. Do you know the topic of freedom or being free or enjoying liberty is discussed over 150 times in God's word? God even established with Israel, get this, when God established the nation of Israel and he gave them their laws in the Old Testament, he said you need to take every 50th year and call it the Jubilee year. You guys are going to love this, all right, especially if you're in debt. Anybody in debt, say, oh me. All right, you're going to love this one, all right, because God said every 50th year, just forgive everybody of all their debts and start free. 
Can I get a hallelujah? Amen. I'm thinking about becoming Jewish and starting the Jew, the year of Jubilee. Amen. That's a good stuff right there. And you say, well, man, I'd just charge up a bunch of stuff right in year 49. Well, people knew it was coming, and they were careful. You know, it just kind of helped balance everything out. But I love that. You know why God did that? He says, I want you to be able to start fresh and experience liberty and freedom from your debts. And he also said, let the land rest and rejuvenate that entire year. Do you know, Jesus began his public ministry in Luke chapter 4 with these words. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is how Jesus began his public ministry. Talking about liberty. Talking about freedom. Talking about overcoming oppression. Paul, the great church planner and missionary, wrote half the New Testament. He even wrote an entire letter known as, to us as the book of Galatians about freedom, that liberty is something God intended all of his people to enjoy and experience. Yes, life and liberty are a part of God's plan for God's people, and all people, in fact. And what about the pursuit of happiness? Now, let me ask you this. Does God want us to be happy Man, I'm glad you said that, because yes, he does. Now, God doesn't promise that we will always be happy, amen? doesn't promise we'll always be happy, but it is very evident that his desire is for us to experience joy and blessings and happiness. The Bible speaks of joy, blessings, and happiness, guess how many times? No fewer than 712 times. Far more than life, far more than liberty, the Bible talks about Here's how to be happy. Our God loves us, amen? And the greatest of these is no doubt found in the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever preached. That's Jesus on the, in, when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. Just look at these verses here as we bring those up. Jesus said this, bless. And by the way, the word bless means happy. Bless, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, when you're poor in spirit, you can pursue happiness because ultimately, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed or happy are those who mourn. It's not that we're happy to mourn, but we can pursue happiness even in our mourning. Why? Because we're going to find comfort. Blessed, happy are the meek. Why? Because you will inherit the earth. Blessed or happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And as we read on, blessed are the pure in heart, for they're going to see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they're going to be called the children of God. Blessed or happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. No one's out there saying, boy, I wish I could just suffer a little more persecution. It made me a whole lot happier. No, but in that persecution, we can seek out happiness. We can pursue happiness. Why? Because ours, theirs, who do that, are, is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you falsely, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, Jesus says, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I love this. This is uh, Jesus out here telling us how to pursue happiness. So here's what I want to do this morning, all right? 
this time of year, we celebrate our national independence. But I want you to know this morning, we have the opportunity to celebrate a far greater independence in our nations. And of course, I'm talking about our independence from sin. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul wrote these words. He said, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Christ set us free from the curse of sin and gave us eternal life for a purpose. And that purpose is to experience freedom. See, we're set apart from sin for a reason, for a purpose, and that's to enjoy that freedom to the fullest. So this morning, by the way, all that was, the, all that was just the introduction, all right? Everybody say amen. amen. All right, yeah, that makes you a little bit nervous. This is the short part, but it's the meat, all right, coming up right here. Here's the message this morning. Let me share with you this morning how we can enjoy our spiritual independence to the fullest. How can we enjoy our spiritual independence to the fullest? And we're just going to recap those three truths and show you how you can do that. The first way is this. The key word is life. Remember, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The key word is life here, but live a life that inspires others to live for Christ. Live a life that inspires others to live for Christ. See, when we do that, we're enjoying our spiritual freedom to the fullest. Remember, why did Paul say Christ has set us free? For freedom's sake, to go out there and inspire others. Jesus said in John 10, 10, remember, I've not only come to give life, but abundant life. What's that word abundant mean? It's a great word. It means over and above what is necessary to exceed an expected measure. Now, I'm telling you right now, if Jesus came to me and said, Donnie, I'm just going to give you what you deserve, make a list of things. That's going to be a very short list, amen? Come on, right? But you know what? Jesus says, instead of that short list of things you think you deserve, I'm going to give you an abundant list, a list that goes far more than that, so many more blessings, so many more uh, opportunities to do things that will satisfy your soul and your life. See, our goal is to live out our faith in such a way that we go above and beyond and, uh, and, and exceed what others expect. That's our goal. And when we do that, we prove that Jesus is real to us and it inspires others to live for him. Speaking of being inspired, just a few weeks ago on a Sunday afternoon, um, our fam, we all went over to Kincaid's Hamburgers. Anybody love them, some Kincaid's? Come on. If you can't get excited about Jesus, you can get excited about hamburgers. Come on, right, amen? Come on. All right. Well, I'll let me some Kincaid's. If you hadn't been, then I'll take you sometime. I'll let you buy me a cheeseburger, all right? We'll be friends for life. But anyway, I love going over there. We're over on a Sunday uh, afternoon, and while we're sitting eating, in walks this family. So it's a man and a woman, three little girls. And I'm going to tell you, this family looked like they stepped off of a movie scene from the 1940s. I mean, their dress was impeccable for that age. They had on uh, hats from that style, their clothes from that style. They were just decked out, and instantly every single eye in there were, was on this family. They stood in line as they ordered. They went and sat down. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's whispering. And, of course, my family, we're going nuts. We're, we're, we're taking odds on what the situation is. And we nailed it down to either they were in a play at church set in the 40s or they were on a movie set and just stepped off. And, of course, being the curious people that fosters are, 
and that we've never met a stranger, <laughs> DJ and I were like, let's go. We got to know, you know? And so we walked over, and DJ started first and said, man, I, I, I love your hat. I love your, I, but we, we got to know. We just, we just got to know. And I stepped up and said, our, our guess is that you're at church this morning, and, you know, you had something going on. And he says, well, we did go to church this morning, but it's more than that. He said, we live in a time in which people need to be inspired. And so we dress up to inspire others. And I was like, mission accomplished, I am inspired, amen? And I told the guy that. And, of course, everybody in the whole place is looking and watching us, and they're trying to listen in, you know, to see what's going on. I was like, dude, every eyeball in this place was on you. You inspired an entire restaurant today just by simply dressing up. Now, I'm not saying that we all need to go back to wearing suits and ties and coats and hats and things like that, but if you do, it's all right by me, amen? You know, it may inspire somebody, and that was cool that they were willing to do that, and I love that they said, here's how we can inspire people, and they did it. Live a life that inspires others to live for Christ. That's one of the best ways to experience our spiritual freedom to the fullest. Jesus said, I give you freedom to go out and, and inspire people. Go out and do that. You ever notice in school they want us to sit still and be quiet and not inspire anybody to do anything? All right? Jesus says just the opposite. Jesus would be a chaotic kindergarten teacher. Can I get an amen, right? <laughs> I think he could get everybody to sit down and be quiet, but I think there would be a lot of fun going on in that classroom. Second thing is this. We're going to experience our spiritual freedom to the fullest. Then we've got to liberate ourselves. Remember liberty? Life, liberty. We've got to liberate ourselves to take action for Christ. Here's where kind of where the rubber meets the mode on this one. Rubber meets the road. That's hard to say. Not the mode, but the road. Amen? <laughs> we've got to liberate ourselves to do that. Understand we said before. Christ didn't just set us free so we could frolic in our freefulness. Christ set us free for a purpose. You see, we, do, we tend to think of liberation as being something that we have been liberated from. Okay? While that's true, for sure, we think about things that we're liberated from. Watch true, salvation liberates from, from sin. But the ultimate purpose of salvation is not to liberate us from sin. Okay? If all you're getting out of, your, out of your salvation is forgiveness from your sin, you're getting about, mm, I don't know, 8% of what it's good for. Come on, right? Because yeah. listen to me. Christ set us free, not just to liberate us from sin, but he set us free to go towards greater actions for the cause of the kingdom. God said, I'm setting you free to go do amazing things. Quit going, well, sure, I'm glad, I, you know, I... All my sins are forgiven. If it wasn't for that, I'd be dying and going to hell. Yeah, we know that. Doug, Captain Obvious. Now go live for Jesus. Amen, right? Amen. Come on. Philippians 4.13. You see it up there? What's Philippians 4.13? You know it. What is it? I can do all things through Christ or through him, which what? Strengthens me. Um, Garrett Bitters, who's not here today. I'm going to check on my... My, my young protege, I'm sure he's with family or something today, but he's my discipleship group. We were talking about this verse of the night, and uh, Mr. Better said this. He said, you know what? I like to call this the student-athlete verse. He said, because I was in high school, every student-athlete claimed this verse. They're on the mound. I can do all things through Christ who 
strength is me, thinking that means they can strike out the next batter, right? Every football player says it. You know, every basketball, I can do all things for Christ. I can sink this half-court shot and win the game, you know? Actually, you look at it in context, and you know what Paul is saying? I can do all things through Christ means I can suffer through anything for the cause of Christ. <laughs> so be careful when you claim that verse, amen? <laughs> you might be out there going, I can do all things through Christ, and Jesus is like, yeah, let's see how you can handle missing that shot, amen? <laughs> And, uh, hold it up there, right there. Okay, yeah, I missed. I'm going back. I can do all things through Christ. It strengthens me, amen? We gotta be, but th- that's some things we forget about, is that Christ is not just liberating us from things, but to things, towards things. The founding father's goals were not for us to sit around and be glad we were liberated from England, but rather to strive for what? A more perfect union. We're still striving for that today, and we need to continue to strive for that. But let me tell you something. Jesus saved us to go and promote the perfect union. Are you with me, church? And I'm talking about union with Christ and a united citizenship in the perfect eternal kingdom. Listen, America is an idea. The eternal kingdom is truth. Amen? Amen. It, it, we're striving for a more perfect union. Jesus said, I've already established the perfect union. Get on board. And when we get on board, man, that's when we can do, go out there and do all things for the cause of Christ. Life, liberty. And the third one is this, to enjoy our spiritual independence to the fullest. We've got to pursue ultimate happiness through the eternal blessings of Christ. Remember all those things that Jesus said. Nine times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Here's, here is why you should be happy. In, the, in every time, the reason is this, because you are blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. Now listen to me, church. Happiness isn't always our emotion. We established that earlier. But, listen to me as well, its pursuit is always appropriate. And here's why. Because we are eternally blessed by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, you have God's permission to pursue happiness always. You've got God's permission to pursue happiness always. No matter what, it is okay. The next time someone questions your motivation for happiness, say, why are you trying to be happy? You've just gone through this trial or this tribulation or this struggle. You have no right to be happy. How can you be happy? Why are you trying to be happy? You just smile and say, you know why I'm trying to be happy? Because Jesus said I could. Amen? That settles it. Jesus said, I know you're struggling. I understand. Pursue happiness anyway. You know why? Because you're blessed. Because you're blessed. This season will pass. And you will see that I'm going to be all over this. See, the people who do these three things, people who live a life that inspires others to live for Christ, people who liberate themselves in order to take action for Christ, people who pursue happiness through the eternal blessings of Christ, these are the kind of people that make an eternal difference. I was thinking about how to wrap up this message this morning, and the Lord laid a very special individual on my heart that I want to share his story with you this morning. It's a man by the name of Mike Jolly. I think 
Everybody should know somebody with the last name of Jolly. Amen. I th- when you think of the word Jolly, you, I, I used to think about Santa Claus, right? You know, some big round guy with a beard. He's just all full of Jolly. And when he laughs, his belly shakes kind of like me, you know. Amen. <laughs> Mike Jolly actually looked a lot like Santa Claus. All right. There's two people here who knew Mike Jolly. Mike Jolly was about as wide as he was tall. All right. <laughs> he was very jolly, very round, very happy all the time. He loved the Dallas Cowboys. Can I get an amen? All right. That was even back when they were good. All right. I mean, you got lo- to love them now. You really love them, man. He loved them back then when they were good. And, and know that he loved fishing. Come on. Can I get an amen? Somebody loves, loves football and loves fishing. That guy's close to God. Amen. <laughs> but not only that, he taught Sunday school. He was my Sunday school teacher. And I, we need more men, by the way, to teach young kids. Amen. All right. Come on. But. Mike Jolly was my Sunday school teacher, one of my first Sunday school teachers. I loved him. Now think about these three things. Mike inspired me to live for Christ. You know, because he taught me you could be a normal man and you could love Jesus. You could do things like yell and scream at the, at the TV on Sunday afternoon, right, and still love Jesus while watching football. If you know what I'm talking about. Tell me that you could fish and still love Jesus. He inspired me to live for Christ. He inspired me to to memorize verses and to commit them to memory. When I didn't do it, he he said, come on, you can do this. You can do it. He'd take me home on Sunday afternoons, and I'd watch football games with him. We'd play in the front yard. Just had so much fun with Mike. He inspired me to live for Christ. Do you know what else he did? He liberated himself to take action for Christ. Here's what I mean by that. Mike was installed and repaired Sprinkler systems. And one summer when I was 12 years old, he said, Don't I want you to come work with me this summer? I'm going to pay you $5 an hour. Now, today that may not sound like a lot, but in 1983, five bucks an hour was good money, all right? I thought to myself, No man is worth $5 an hour. That's really what I thought. I was like, Dad, do you make that much? <laughs> and he was like, Well, sometimes, <laughs> you know. And I was like, That's just so awesome. I was stoked. Every, at the end of the week, 40 hours, I was going to get 200 bucks. You know how many baseball cards you could buy in 1983 with $200? A lot. Trust me, I spent every dime on baseball cards, all right? I, I had so much fun working with him. But he taught me things about life, and, and we just had so many great conversations, and, and just spending every day with him was fun. But I'll never forget, one day early in the summer, he said, I need you to repair this sprinkler head, and he taught me how to do it. And so... Normally, I'd get down on my knees, but for some stupid reason, I sat down on the seat of my pants. If you ever worked outside all day in the hot weather and got the seat of your pants wet early in the day without a change of clothes, you know where I'm going with this, amen? By the end of the day, you were miserable, right? You were needing to be liberated, amen? <laughs> and I'm telling you, by the end of the day, I was miserable, and here's what he said. He said, Donnie, tomorrow I want you to bring you a change of clothes every day. Keep it in the truck. Just in case this happens again, you can fix this situation. But also, don't sit down that way, all right? <laughs> Stay on your knees. But it's just one of those little deals. He, he taught me about life, and we worked hard. And I only worked Monday through Friday. Sometimes he'd work on Saturday. Sometimes he'd work on Sunday afternoon. But you know where Mike was every Sunday morning? He was at church, and he was in that Sunday school class. And he had a lesson ready for me, no matter what. Christ had liberated him so he could take action for Christ. 
Not only that, when I think about pursuing ultimate happiness through eternal blessings, Mike died far younger than he should have. Came down with a, uh, with a terminal disease. And I never will forget, one of the last things he did before he got really sick was he went to camp with us as a counselor. Remember, DJ was a little bitty, and we were on a hike at camp. And Mike said, I, I'm too weak to, the, to hike, but I'll drive along in my pickup in case anybody gets tired. Well, I had DJ. He was about a year and a half, and he's on my shoulders. And uh, that's a sight to think about, DJ on my shoulders, amen? But um, those of you know him, but we were walking along, and I was getting miserable, and he was getting miserable, and Mike could tell, and he pulled up and said, DJ, you want to get in my truck with me? And he was like, yes, boom, dove in. And I looked over, and here's Mike, you know, one of my childhood heroes. Here's my firstborn son standing next to him in that truck, and they're just laughing and having a good time, just enjoying life, happy. Mike knowing what he's facing down the road. When I went to see Mike the last time before he died in his house, he was in a hospital bed in his, li- in his living room. You know what he said to me? He said, Donnie, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have the life that I have. Blessed to have friends, a wife that loves me, daughters that love me. I'm blessed to know the Lord. You know, you know there's been a lot of times through my life when, as a man, I thought, you know what? It's tough to inspire. It's tough to be liberated for the cause of action. It's tough to always pursue happiness. But when I struggle, I think about men like Mike Jolly that live that life to the fullest. And I'm inspired to go on and do that. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're here and you find that sometimes it's a struggle to experience the blessings of your spiritual independence to the fullest. Well, if that's you this morning, I want you to just think about these things. Think about how can I live a life that inspires those to live Christ? How can I, through my liberty, take action for Christ? How can I pursue happiness? I think one of the best ways to do that is to think about the people in your life that have been a great example to you. Thank you for listening to this message. Our goal is to reach people all over the globe with the good news of God's Word. If you would like to partner with us by making a donation, visit our website at journey-church.com. That's journey-church.com on a PC or laptop and simply click on the Donate tab on our homepage. By partnering with us, you will help us reach the world for the cause of Christ. Allow me to pray for you. Lord, I pray you bless those who have heard your word today. May you also bless their family and those whom you place in their paths. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.